Hello there, it's Chris, obviously from the 90 Minute Cynic. Um, just a kind of brief uh, intro before we actually get to the main podcast. At Hoidy on Twitter, um, ran, was running a competition and he asked me to help him draw the, the winners. Um, he's doing some terrific stuff on Twitter. He's made the French Eddie badges, um, the enamel badges and the actual stickers as well. And he, he put out a, a tweet and opened up a big cartel to get those kind of um, bought and with the money, with the proceeds, he will be giving that to a homeless charity, which is absolutely terrific. Great work. Um, at Hoidy on Twitter, I'm sure you all kind of are aware. If you're not, give him a follow. So he set up this competition. I drew the, the, the winning lots. Um, I've got three little videos, I'm sure, if you if you want. I don't know if Hoidy's going to put them on his Twitter. We could maybe put them on ours. Hopefully that'll be a thing. But first prize... Um, for a Celtic strip with Edward on the back is James Lewis. James Lewis, con- congratulations, James. Terrific stuff. Um, second prize, which is a any T-shirt from Tees for Tim's, is Michael Dornan. Congratulations. I wonder what uh, design he's going to get. Let us know. Tweet us. At 90 Minute Cynic and at Hoyd as well, let us know what the, the kind of excellent t-shirt you're going to choose. And the third prize, which is an Edward Keyring, which I'll be honest, I, I get sent a, a preview of this. It's absolutely terrific. I, I want one myself, to be honest. Um, and the winner is Aaron McKenzie. Aaron McKenzie. So that's the winners. I took myself out of the prize draw. I thought that was only fair because if I had won... That would be weird. Um, but it's terrific stuff. I'm sure uh, at Hoidy will we'll be in contact with you soon. And uh, thanks for everyone who kind of took part in that. And it's a massive, uh, it's from a terrific cause and uh, all great work. Cheers. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic Extra podcast, your extra slice of 90 Minute Cynic at the end of the week, bringing you into the weekend. Sounded a like weekend treat. A, a weekend treat. I sounded like an actual radio sort of host there for upwards of two seconds without sweating. So I need to curb that. Um, that voice you can hear on the other end is um, Christian Wolf. Um, Coming up from afar. Coming out from the, the far reaches of Mairns, Mairns? Yeah, well, yeah, the closest you can get to Glasgow in Mairns. So I'm, I'm still like on the really cool side uh, of, of Mairns. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's pretty debatable, man. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, Christian, how are you? I'm well. Friday night, and we're uh, spending it talking about Celtic. You know. What, el- what, what by the way? What else do you want? Start your weekend, exactly. Exactly, what else do you want? Um, but you, you were at the game on Friday, on, sorry, on Wednesday? Tuesday. Wednesday? Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was at one game this week. I'm pretty sure it was the Celtic game. Yeah, it's, it's been a long week. Um, but, you know, you were at the game, and we did some sort of next day reaction. Um, we did a Periscope, um, which was done via Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that was enjoyable. A lot of people got involved in that. Yeah, no, good response. Um mostly making fun of our appearances. But other than that, I think it, it got a good uh, reaction. And it's obviously something we want to try and do maybe every first day, a little video uh, to show off Glasgow and, uh, well, to show off ourselves as well, I guess. But yeah, no, definitely one of the many new things we want to do this season. Yeah, we're expanding the Cynics content. Um, the website will start um, actually producing some really great content like it did once once a time ago. Um some kind of consistent articles as well, as well as the cynical, which obviously you're the kind of you're steering that ship. Um, any yep. updates on the cynical at the moment, or if we are looking at probably next release early September. Uh, really excited about this issue. We're, we're gonna it might be a little bit controversial, but I think it's an issue that it's it's, it's a good timing for, and we're trying to reach out to, to quite a few, a couple of new writers as well, and 
that'll probably you see why when you see what we'll be be talking about. But yeah, I, I think I'm I'm really excited about this issue. So early September, I think we hope to get that uh, out to you for free and available to to be downloaded. Yep, grown grown up analysis and content, um, which is always oh, good. You know it. Um, so we've got the website, 90minutesinic.com. Um, we're on Twitter. We're doing our Periscope stuff. We'll also be doing Instagram Live and Facebook. will hopefully be across all platforms. Um, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash 90minutesinic. Again, we're going to ramp up uh, the kind of interaction and we'll be doing some interesting stuff with that. Um, but, you know, we've got so many interesting guests lined up Um the 90 Minute Cynic Extra podcast, which will be released on a Friday, will be kind of a preview of what's happening that weekend. But because we're just in the door in terms of competitive matches, the, the league doesn't start till next week. So we're going to actually go back and look at the Rosenberg first leg and maybe obviously ahead to what's coming coming at us from Tron time. And we're going to bring in your friend, my friend. Who are we bringing in, Christian? It's, it's Football Radar's own Ben Wells. <laughs> We are joined now by the wonderful, um, the hip, the terrific, it's Mr. Ben Wells from Football Radar. Hello, Ben. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, man. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, Christian's on the, on the other line as well. Cool. I'll go join. Yeah. And, and if, if you get the chance to check out Ben's uh, Instagram, it's, it's well worth it. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's very hip. Yeah, that... that, that. Well, yeah, that cool. That conversation's for private times, Christian. Um, <laughs> so, Ben, just obviously the game on Wednesday, Celtic versus Rosenberg, kind yeah. kind of went to plan from a Celtic perspective, but there was, you know, a kind of couple of shocks in the piece overall. How has what's been the reaction um, to uh, the game overall? I mean, generally, I guess pretty negative reaction from Rosenberg. Um, things obviously started very well from the early goal and everything, but. I think I think generally, a lot of people expected more defensively. Rosenborg were a lot more open than a lot a lot of fans and all the pundits and that thought. Um, Nils Arne Egan, who's obviously used to coach Rosenborg, he's a sort of legendary figure around the club. He's come out of the press and started criticising the players, criticised Helland and Bentner, um, to name but a couple of them. Um, and yeah, generally it's just been pretty. Pretty poor reaction, I'd say. I think I think most people expected the loss, but I think most people expected was brought to put a bit more, a bit more attacking intent in, in that second half. And they sort of dropped a bit too deep, uh, played a bit too negatively. I think. And uh, ben, ben, for me, I mean, the first half an hour at least, um, I didn't think we were going to have this conversation about the game because Rosenberg actually looked. Like they had a game plan, and I, I think they followed the game plan quite well. Um, yeah. Quite effective, not only on the goal, but they had a couple of other forays up Celtics half, and, and obviously they got the goal. And I think that I think the, for a half an hour they seemed pretty comfortable. And but then as soon as there was a little bit of a tactical switch from from Celtic pushing Forest that wide, they, they pretty much collapsed, which, which I actually didn't expect. Yeah, it was. I agree with you. I think for the first half an hour, I think Rosenborg had been delighted if they could have carried that on. I think the game plan was executed really well. They were dropping deep. They were sort of, like we discussed it privately on WhatsApp and stuff. Um, it started with a four-three-three formation. They're dropping to four-five-one um, when they're defending. It, it, it was a very defensive formation. But then I did have a little look back at the game, and there was, there was a couple of chances in the first half they could have maybe done better with, but. Overall, the, the goal was the only real sort of threat they posed at the time. Uh, it was a nice goal, but I, I mean, I just think that as soon as Celtic decided to start playing, Rosenborg were under for the rest of the match. Do you, do you think Rosenberg were maybe caught out by how Celtic kind of played in those first 20, 25 minutes? Uh, I mean, Brendan Rodgers has came out and said that maybe he hadn't you know, set the team out the way that he you know, he was maybe kind of tinkering with it a little bit, and we were kind of flipped from the left-hand side being our main sort of attacking um, outlet to it being the right-hand side. Obviously, young Jack Henry made the mistake yeah. for the goal. Did that maybe give Rosenberg a little bit of uh, a bit of oomph to go forward, considering maybe it wasn't working out for Celtic in the first twenty minutes? I think it was. I think it was quite obvious that Rosenberg would target in uh, Gambo and Hendry on the right-hand side of Celtic's back four. 
Um, all the ball was up to Bentley were going down that channel. Uh, Levy, who was on the left-hand side of the board, was getting the ball a lot out wide. Helland was a bit sort of preoccupied on my right with Sinclair. Um, and yeah, I think I don't think Rosenborg would have expected to have been sort of on top of such as they were in that half an hour, that first sort of half an hour, because they did they did dominate a lot of the ball. Um, you could tell as soon as Sonic made that tactical switch, the game did just flip on its head, and then suddenly Rosenborg were just constantly defending. They were struggling to sort of keep track of uh, Edward up front. He was I I liked how he played actually dropped dropped deep quite a bit. Tromsen, who was playing the central sort of Rosenborg, which never really. Never really looked like he was going to pick him up. Um, and yeah, as soon as that switch happened, I think Ron Ball just folded a bit, to be honest. They just went back into a dropped a bit too deep, like playing too many long balls up the bent mode, which no one in support. And it just all sort of fell apart from there. And, and Ben, I, I think you're. You kind of touched upon it there because in the first 10, 15 minutes, uh, Bentner basically stood on Ayer when the long mm. balls came up. And Ayer pretty much had a beating of him. And it was, I think they switched pretty quickly to go over and, and, and put Bentner on, on Henry. Which yeah. I don't, maybe a little bit more luck, but I think Henry stood quite well off to him as well. I, I think I think only counted once or twice Bentner was actually able to, to take the ball down uh, after one of the long ones. So, but once they couldn't really get much from that, as you said, that there wasn't much else about Rosenberg at all. Which, you, for a team that's supposed to be dominating offensively in their own league, yeah. um, it's just really, really poor, and, and probably a, quite a reflection on, on on the personnel they have up front now, which is they're basically bigger names than the, the quality they have. Yeah, it's like we touched on with the previous podcast. There's a lot of quality up, up front for Rosenberg, but they've just not it's just not clicked this year at all, and. That game was just a perfect sort of illustration of that. Bender just wasn't getting the ball where he wanted to get it. There's no support. I mean, Mike Jensen, who was the first forward fielder, essentially playing as a second striker all the time. He just he was he was running around a lot. He was getting the ball back, but he just wasn't he wasn't close enough to Bender. He wasn't attacking enough for my liking. And I think they just yeah. they, they did just run out. They run out of ideas essentially. Yeah, and uh, and uh, even though Celtic TV called the the thirty year old uh, Alexander Sunderland come <laughs> on as a young striker, young striker, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 even when uh, even any of the switches they did, uh, there just wasn't anything there. And and for me, I just can't see them getting two goals at all in in, in Trondheim. And even if in some way they did, I just don't see them keeping a clean sheet either. Well, that's the thing. I think even if he gets two goals. Uh, the likelihood is they will concede at some point because Celtic's attack wanted to click so many chances. I mean, that, that game could have quite easily been four or five. I think uh, there's a save onto a bar, another shot off the bar for Celtic as well. So on, on a better day, they could be going back to Norway with like a five-one defeat or more. So yeah, I, just, I don't, I don't see. I said, I said on Twitter, the tie was all but over essentially. And I think yeah, it's, Rosenborg do need a more. Miracle, uh, I think ben, one thing that I was reading the Norwegian, uh, so, some of the Norwegian press today, and one thing that I, they are quite positive about is is Christopher Ayer, uh, because I, I guess people in Norway, they saw the last Celtic game, obviously they've seen Ayer play a couple of times for the national team lately, and, and so maybe I've seen him playing against, against Rangers in those games, but I, I think some of the experts over there today have said like, it, there's a clear development he's had over the, over the last year. Yeah, yeah, I was I was impressed him again um, the other day. I've I've been sort of keeping track, so I'm trying to sort of watch as much as I can the last sort of year, and it's, it is obvious how much he's developed. It's it's all sort of like an upward trajectory for him. Um, he, I just think he's, he's such a unique sort of centre back in how he plays, the way he can sort of take all that defence, dribbling forward. He's just like start attacks from the back. Obviously, great in the air, how tall he is and everything. And as we said before, like, he handled Ben brilliantly for that sort of first 20 minutes. Just just no trouble whatsoever. And for a guy, I mean, how old is he now? 19, 20? I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah no, just, just turned 20. And, 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 as yeah. you say, uh, and, and afterwards in this pod, we'll be talking to Alex Lawrence, who's actually written a, written a huge piece on, on IA's dribbling yeah. as well. But yeah, I, I think... I think that's probably one thing positive thing to come out from the region football in, in that game was the region actually played. Yeah. Um, can, can I ask yeah. you how are the other Norwegian teams doing? Um, obviously, 
and and Scot Scotland uh, hasn't done terrifically well in the European kind of rankings and stuff recently yeah. um, over the last couple of years. Although this week has actually seen, I think the Scottish teams are undefeated um, so far, but it's only we're only in the second round. Um, how 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 is the Norwegian sort of uh, teams doing in Europe? I mean, obviously Molde, uh you know, we've still got nightmares about Molde. Um <laughs> So I mean, what what is the kind of where where are where are the kind of Norwegian guys doing? Yeah, so this year there's there's a few sort of stranger names in it. It's not the usual sort of the usual suspects, I guess, in the European competition. Molde are in it, of course. They're going along quite nicely. They um they lost their first match against Glenarvan, who are a Northern Irish team, semi pro. And they lost that and then came back with a five one win. And they've just beat in an Albanian team three 0 I believe. Yeah. Um and they look they look pretty strong. They look fairly good, sort of both league and cup form. So I think they got a good chance of making a group stage in the Europa League at least. Um the other two teams, Lillestrøm and Sarpsborg, who are in this year. Um Sarpsborg did well, did well in their first round. I say next side IBV six 0 down, very comfortable. Um, but they sort of they sort of stepped up uh, the competition a little bit this time. Gallen, the Swiss side. Oh yeah, yeah. And they um, they lost two one, but it was. I mean, they should have won the game sort of four one, five one at least. So many chances to go away. And sort of cracking goal as well. It was a lovely free kick goal. Yeah, to buy. As Heinz, who's a who's a young midfielder, um, just yeah, did actually an- injure his ankle in that game as well. Which, um, but yeah, for, they they were looking good for forty-five minutes of that game, and then just end up losing it. Big goalkeeper had one of the goals. Um, Lillestrøm, no hope for them, I'm afraid. Uh, and they got, they got absolutely battered four 0 against Lindstrom and Austrian side. So yeah, it's um, it's not a strong. Strongest lineup of Norwegian teams in the competition this year. Just no Brown, no Brown in there. Uh, Valerenga is still mid-table-ish or so. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the sort of the bigger Norwegian sides dropped into mid-table in the league, so they're struggling to get back into Europe. But I think I think Sarps will potentially bring it back and go through. Um, but yeah, Lillestrøm definitely out at least. So and, and I'm led to believe that if Hibs get past. The, the Greek team that they, they played at the weekend, um, sorry, yeah. midweek, that they'll might play Molde? Is that true? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the uh, draw potentially lined up. That would be an interesting count. Yeah, I mean, Hib- yeah. I think Hibs are averaging something like eight goals per game, for and against. <laughs> every, every game they're involved yeah. in is like a 4-3 thriller, so should be yeah. interesting. Yeah, it'll be good. Molde are a strong side, obviously. Holland in form. Uh, just signed Magnus Wolfeichrom. Who used to be with Man United, Cardiff, and various other and, sides. And, and Malmo. That's, uh, yeah, and Malmo as well. Um, yeah, of course. Um, just just kind of um, looking at the, the second leg, hmm. you know, we Celtic don't really have anything to worry about, do they? I mean, that's the t- kiss of de- death saying that. Um, <laughs> but you, you, if everything goes to plan in terms of, you know, no ridiculous sendings off or no ridiculous penalties or massive refereeing decisions, Celtic should be fine. It should be, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's strange, but I don't, I, I mean, Rosenborg just don't have the players there to sort of to rotate enough and get anything different out of that team so it's probably going to be the same team and it'll probably be I mean the tactics will probably be slightly more attacking but I just can't I can't see them scoring two goals they might get a goal from the corner or something but I just think so they've got too much too much quality too much depth what did you make it... compared to what, what did you make as a sort of independent sorry, sorry. Sorry, I didn't catch that. What, what did you make as a sort of independent kind of observer? Um, I know you're a little bit biased towards uh, Rosenberg and the Norwegian teams, but <laughs> what, what did you make of uh, how Celtic played when they finally kicked into into gear? What did you make of Edouard and Cham? Did they impress you? Those those two guys really did. Yeah, I thought I thought Sinclair had a big head and said nine times out of ten down the left hand side as well. I think I think it's quite obvious. There's like there's obvious areas to work on for Celtic. I mean, at this stage, it's still early days, I guess, in terms of like European competition, in terms of transfer window. Um, but there's definitely, I mean, you've also got Dembele and Griffiths to come back up front, but Edouard looks the real deal for me. Yeah. Like, even though that third goal was potentially offside. 
Oh, I mean, it looks, it looks away you go. Away you go. <laughs> the losing signal here, but it was a lovely. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a lovely finish, and it was yeah, it was just. He's obviously got a lot to into that lad. You can see why they paid quite a fair amount of money for him. Um, and he, he really impressed me. He's my man of match constantly in that match. I just remember when he, when he when he dropped deep to get a ball, he just gave was so many problems. And he's got that pace to just sort of to be the last man as well. So yeah, in that, in that aspect, it was promising. But I do think there's still like, areas to work on. Yeah, Christian, have you got anything you want to bring up? No, I, I think Ben has covered it really well. As you say there, I I, I don't think anybody in Norway really expects Rosenberg to, to get through this. Uh, I think that kind of hope went through, with the third goal. And yeah, I, I think it'll be quite a, a relaxing evening for, for, for Celtic in, in Trondheim. It should be anyway. One, one, final question, one final question, Ben. Um, yeah. Are there any sort of a year type of uh, kind of bargains in the Norwegian league if you if you were to kind of you know put put them on a list of potential targets from Celt- from Celtic would there be a big list or would there be quite a small list in terms of where we want to go I think it's it's the list getting smaller so I think there's a, there's a lot of players who, I mean ISR and when he was 17 18 there's a lot of players around that age who look very good for Norway look very good in the elite series but whether they're ready, I think I think Aya was sort of an anomaly in a way because physically he was just so advanced for his age. Um, I think there's, there's a few guys. There's a guy called Hugo Vettersen at Starbeck who I really yeah. like. Yeah, he's, yeah, um, yeah. He's I mean Harlan's the obvious one, which is sort of a bargain, but then you just don't pay five million off for him. But I think Vettersen's a guy who's he's 18 years old. He's had two full seasons now in the elite series. Um, he's regular for the under 19s. He's just just been at European Championships. And he, he just qualified for the under twenty yeah. World Cup as well. Yeah, just qualified for World Cup, beating actually, which is quite a surprise. Wow. Yeah, he's a um, he's a really interesting player. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he's an interesting player because he's um he's as far as under the radar because as an eighteen year old he's a defense like he plays defensive midfield essentially like a sort of deep line and playmaker style that. Um, but he he does a great job every game. He's so solid on. Um, you see you see him getting linked to a lot of sort of Belgian Dutch sides for like two million euros or something. And he is a sort of player that I think if Celtic did hypothetically come in buying for two million, he's the sort of guy I can see in sort of four or five years time selling for sort of five times that amount at least. If he develops well obviously. Um but yeah he's he's one that I I'd pick out especially as a sort one kind of final one and Christian actually I've not. We've not really mentioned this uh, chap yeah. for quite a while. Whatever happened to Martin Odegaard? Um, I know he went on loan. Was it to the Dutch league? Yeah. I mean, I know he's still only like what yeah, 19, 19. Um, Is he going to be yeah. the star that the all everyone kind of hoped, or is he the new Ryan Gold? Uh, Joe. I, I mean, I I've got quite a strong opinion about Odegaard. I, I think he's such a classy player. He's um. It's, it's, it's so hard for people like guys like Odegaard. Like you, keep, you sort of come in at sixteen, and there's always hype. It's gone to Madrid, and there's all that hype. So I think it's it's impossible for him to ever live up to what people were expecting. But, I mean, he's been on loan at Heronvink for two seasons, and in the last season, he was injured for a fair amount. He had sort of two semi-long-term injuries, but he really, whenever he played, he just looked so classy on the ball. Um, he's like. Uh, Hate to make a comparison, but he's very similar to sort of like David Silva, that sort of role at Man um, He won't score 10, 15 goals a season, but he will sort of he'll contribute the assists and like some of his little through balls are just lovely. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because he's, he's now gone back to Madrid for pre-season. Um, I'm expecting that he'll probably go out on loan again at some point because he's not really from Madrid last team yet. Um, but he's definitely like I mean he's impressing in the area of his league, which is yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, doing yeah. well. And I think as you as you say, but I mean he's he's still at you know at the age of eighteen and nineteen had a quite quietly really good season in the air division. As you say, he's maybe not as flashy, but yeah, if you look at some of his more like advanced stats, he's he's so much involved in creating chances. And, and I think when you just look at him, he's there's absolutely something there. I always thought yeah. he maybe needs he's maybe just almost too nice. He's kind of like not yeah. arrogant enough, and maybe not. 
that killer instinct quite yet, which yeah, which yeah. may which may come, but he's still not twenty, and he's he's, he's I think he's he's been one, when he's been injury free, probably one yeah. of the better players in the Eredivisie. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a really really key summer for him in terms of where he goes and, and, and his development. But I always yeah. people say he went to Madrid too early, but you also have to remember he's had. About two years of, of training with some of the best players in the world, day in, yeah. day out. So he will have been developed there. But I think this is probably such a crucial point for him now, what he does next season and the season after. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, I personally think Madrid was a wrong move for him at that point. There's obviously pros and cons. I think he could have done better with his move. But I think if you, if you look at his stats from the last couple of seasons, Perrin being, you look at his performances for the, the noise on the 21 side. Um, and stuff like that. If if you just take out the equation, he ever moved to Madrid, he would be on the list of sort of top ten yeah, players in the world, just because of, because he he does stand out and he does look really good. But he's he's always going to have that stigma of being you know, the sixteen year old wonder kid, fifteen year old wonder kid, which is sort of attached to him now, I guess. Um, so it'd be nice to see him sort of go on loan and really just progress and just shake that off and just to a player that people. Yeah, it's never going to be the best player in the world, but I think Silva is it's a fair comparison. That that's probably his ceiling. I think somebody yeah. like that who can go to a, a really top club and play a really really important part. And if if you can become David David Silva, you haven't done too bad. So. <laughs> <Not exactly. laughs> um, just before you go, Ben, a yeah. prediction for Tuesday. Yep. I wasn't far off, was I? On my last one, I think I said three 0 and with the last the last result, so I reckon it will be a fairly comfortable two-one win to Celtic. I reckon. I reckon it'll be a comfortable. I reckon Ross Ball might get a late, a late goal. Lovely stuff, sort of. Ben. Um, ben Wales. Um, thanks for coming on. Joining us now, all the way from Russia is uh, a friend of the show. I'd call him a panellist. I'd call him one of one of my musical um, compatriots. Um, Alex Lawrence. Alex, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. I'm proud to be to be in such esteemed company and to be even thought of as a, as a compatriot, a musical companion as such. It brings me great pleasure. It brings you great pleasure, of course it does. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, we're getting weird all of a sudden really quickly. Um, <laughs> but no, um, so obviously Christian's there as well. Um, and Christian, say hello. Um, what's hello in Russian? I should really know that. Trivet. Trivet, yes. Trivet. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do an accent. Trivet. Oh, really. You know, yeah. my, um, my great-grandmother was Russian, so... Well, there you go. So... There you so, go. <laughs> don't yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, but anyway, so obviously uh, we had uh, Ben Wells, um, Norwegian um, uh, football analyst, talking about Rosenberg and kind of expectations and, and, and so forth, which was really interesting and we got a lot of insight from that. We're looking to get a tactical kind of overview of, of the game against Rosenberg at the week, at the week I keep seeing the weekend, um, on Wednesday. You watched the game, Alex, Um What's your kind of over overall kind of view of it? We can go into specifics, but what did you make of it overall? I think that well, obviously it was a there were two sort of phases to the game. So there was the the way that the game started. So with the with the three at the back when Celtic had the ball, um, and then obviously about half an hour in after they've conceded the goal, they've Brendan Rodgers has changed it. He's he's tinkered. He's tweaked. Um, and from there on out, it was a wholly, wholly different performance, a far better performance, in my opinion. And obviously, the the scoreline reflects that as well. Um, just obviously, we'll bring Christian in in just a moment. But obviously, you said that um, Brendan kind of changed changed it, and as you say, it was kind of obvious. It was quite a a change in how we went about the game after after that. Um, why do you think he kind of? Because it was a very similar lineup in terms of personnel, and it wasn't necessarily that different in terms of how we kind of set out. But why did we kind of kind of go down the right hand side more than the left? You know, Tierney was quite isolated in the not isolated, but kind of dropped a little bit deeper in yeah. those first twenty five minutes. Was there any, do you think there was any specific reason for that? 
I think a lot of it's probably down to the personnel available. Um, I personally thought that they would have gone for the way that they've played for most of last season with a four-two-three-one. I thought that with well, they only really have two available centre halves at the moment, and Ayer and Jack Hendry. Um, the fact that Tierney can play there as well is useful, but obviously it isn't his isn't his best position. Um, so I thought that I think if you're doing the the let's call it the usual Celtic approach with Tierney pushing further up and the right back sort of sitting in to become a third centre back, um, then you you kind of need the players for that. I don't think that Gamboa is capable of that in the same way that Lustig is. Right. I don't think he can use maybe as reliable in that sense. Or is this his player profile? This is the type of player that he is. It doesn't really suit that. Um, whereas going the other way around, it makes a lot more sense. Gamboa can go up a lot more uh, and Tierney's fine at filling in as the third centre-half. Christian? Yeah, it was, you know, uh, as I said yesterday, I sat in the main stand and it was, you, you can clearly see Rogers calling James Forrest over and about half an hour in and, and, and telling me you know, exactly what he needed to change. Forrest went to and, and said a few things to Gamboa and pretty much from that moment on, I think the ball came down Celtic's right-hand side quite soon after. And I think Forrest did um, manage to create a, a little bit of situation. So yeah, after that, it, it just completely changed. And, and obviously that, you know, something clicked. Uh, I think Rosenberg wasn't able to respond and and I you know Gamboa had been done all right up until then but I think he, he really especially after that as well came into his own and he obviously loves coming up high and and he, he was really good to him and Forrest um, alongside that right hand side so it was obviously that I think it's quite seldom you see a tactical switch and, and maybe quite a small one changing a game so completely so quickly uh, there's probably other factors in there, but it, it was definitely quite a, a turning point in the match. That turning point might have come some other way, anyway. But yeah, it, it was. You can pretty much pinpoint the exact second uh, things changed in that game. I got the feeling. Uh, sorry, just to jump in, I got the feeling there that, just like Christian alluded to there, I think that there would have there could have been other things that could have been done which would have had not the same effect but a similar effect. So to, I think a uh, change of system was one way that Rodgers could have improved things in, in that moment. Um, but I think as well it's important to consider the way that the players were playing within that system as well. So I think that um, when they started off with the back three and they had Jack Hendry on the right and Kieran Tierney on the left, the roles of those guys when you're building up three against one, because Bentner, really, Bentner doesn't press a whole lot. And it's not like the midfielders were joining in and pressing the back line. So when you have these two extra guys that are free, having some, well, you really, there's really is quite a large onus on like Kieran Tierney and Jack Henry then to do a lot more than what they were doing. So Kieran Tierney wasn't really building a whole lot on the left side. He wasn't provoking anything by dribbling in. He was very much just getting the ball from the right-hand side and passing it onto Sinclair on the left. And there wasn't really much more to it than that. Jack Kendra on the right-hand side had, let's call it an interesting first <laughs> 30 minutes, um, where again he sees a lot of the play coming down that side, and you know, there's some things that he did well. He stepped forwards before receiving the ball, he took some space with him, he pushed open, he found some nice angles. But when he actually came to playing the ball, in that first 30 minutes, he was he was below he was below his his standard. I just say that, um, and obviously that leads to to the first goal they have given away. Yeah. So I think that whereas the, the, whereas the change in system was certainly one way that you could have fixed things, I think there were other things there that as well that were that were needing fixing, and that could have been that could have brought about the increase in performance in the in a different way. I, I felt that um, obviously again we're talking about the kind of first twenty twenty five minutes when Celtic couldn't really get a kind of foot on the ball because of all the reasons you've mentioned. What did you make of Brown's performance in the game? Brown, I felt... I thought he looked injured. Again, I, I looked, sorry? I thought he looked a bit, you know, he, he looked a bit injured or he's not necessarily injured but he didn't look 
there was something missing from him. He kind of was looking like he was holding back. I know he had he had an injury um, kind of at the start of preseason, um, and then he kind of had a kind of rupture of that. I'm wondering if they've put him back in too quickly. What I would say about Brown is that many of the things that ended up going really well for Celtic and once they changed things came about because of small changes in his game. So whereas in the first 30 minutes, especially when Jack Henry wasn't really having the best of times, <laughs> uh, Scott Brown has a natural tendency anyway to sort of pull out to that right-hand side. And you see him do this all the time. Um, he'll sort of drift over to the to the right side of centre. He'll kind of drop back towards the defensive line or he'll even go in as an extra centre-back almost, um, which is fine in certain circumstances or certain situations that call for that. But against a team that was... That they were defending quite passively, such as Rosenberg were. Um, it wasn't really beneficial in any way. And in fact, what that led to was that led to Encham on the left side then have feeling that he had to drop out as well. Uh, and Encham doesn't really need a whole lot of encouragement. If <laughs> if Encham has, sees the opportunity to drop out and be closer to centre-backs and feel a wee bit safer, then he tends to do that. Uh, but whereas as the game progressed, especially after the change in, the change of shape when it went to 4-3-3, Brown stayed a lot more central, a whole lot more. Maybe because Jack Henry was in a sort of safer position, uh, slightly more centrally. Um, but from there, then and Cham can start to push up a wee bit more, and things become a whole lot easier. Alex, just on sorry, Gal. No, no. Sort of, <laughs> we're talking about Jack Henry there, and and to me, it seemed that he was the one who had to carry the ball out. Mm. because it, it, it seemed like Rosberg had quite the focus on, on, on Christopher Ayer and, and know what he can do, uh, especially in the first half. In the second half, he, he was, he's managed to, to get up the field a couple of times as well. But I presume a lot of teams might do this against Celtic now because they're becoming aware of Ayer having that capability. So yeah. it, it, in one way, it makes perfect sense that somebody like Jack Henry, who's he's kind of like a a year light in terms that he, he obviously wants to take the ball out and, and, and do those kind of runs as well. It, it, it could be very important for Celtic that they have somebody like him beside a year that if, if somebody doubles up on a year, Jack Henry can, can, can do some of the same things that, that he does well offensively. Certainly, certainly. And especially, <clears throat> especially since, and I've spoken about this a lot in my Christopher Ayer piece, um, because a lot of the teams that Celtic will play against, they will man mark in midfield. And if they then decide to stick a man on IR, then that only gives the other centre-half even more room than to dribble in and or to even just provoke something in the middle. Uh, and if you can start to do that, then there's a million and one things that can come as a result of that, as that can follow on. Um, but certainly, certainly the, the onus was on Jack Hendry, especially in the first uh, 30 minutes, the onus really was on him to make the most of that and make the most of the space that he had in front of him and to kind of pick up a little bit of the slack from Christopher Ayer. So obviously because Christopher Ayer is in the, in the centre of the three and Bentner kind of stayed round about the middle, it was easy for Bentner just to stand in the middle of the three and block anything, any thoughts that Ayer had of going forwards, which was another sort of maybe an intended consequence of moving to a back four, is now all of a sudden Bentner has to choose whether to go to Ayer or go to Henry. He has that choice to make. And actually we saw that almost immediately as soon as the as soon as they made that change, then Ayer's playing a wee bit further left and that gives him a much better angle then to, to dribble in and yeah. to make, make all these good things happen. I, I do get the feeling that we'll be talking about Jack Henry a lot this season, especially if Celtic doesn't bring in another uh, centre half. And, and to me, you know, I, I did a piece on, on, on modern football as well, looking at the centre backs in, in, in the Premiership. And and besides Ayer, Ayer's got a very specific skill set because he dribbles a lot for a centre half, but he also wins a lot of duels yeah. as a centre half. So he, he's a mix of the traditional centre half and the more modern type. Whereas the only person who was even remotely close to have the same skill set stat-wise was Jack Hendry for mm. Dundee. So, so I think it made perfect sense of why Celtic wanted him in. I, I think essentially, is he able to, to, to replicate those kind of skills at a, a level, you know, at, at Celtic's level in, in Europe? I, I'm optimistic about him, but I, I know others aren't. <laughs> I think it's important to remember 
where to look at where Ayer's at now. If you look yeah. at where Christopher Ayer is at now and the performance on Wednesday night, when I went back to look at it, some of the little things that he's doing are he's making noticeable improvements in his play with the ball Um, there's still some things that you can work on but he's improving a lot Uh, now think about how long Ayer was a year and a half exactly, a a year and a half between when he was bought and when he started playing and even then it was only really sort of November December time last season that he started playing regularly now compare it to Jack Hendry who (laughs) was bought and then basically thrown straight in so there is a there's certainly room for a player like Jack Hendry to grow, um, and think, if you look at the trajectory that Ayers had, then you can only assume that Jack Hendry could have something similar. Okay, I'm just going to jump in for a second. Um, I absolutely agree with you. I think you're 100 percent right. I, I think one of the issues with Jack Hendry is he's been brought in to play a game, and then he's dropped for three or just rested for three. He's not had a real run. I mean, as you say, you, can Ayer was brought was. November time he was kind of brought in and he's been a consistent kind of ever since I I can't see that happening with Hendry unfortunately and that's why I don't think he's going to be able to develop at Celtic I mean he's 22 coming up for 23 Um, you know he needs to be playing first team football now obviously he is at the moment but if Celtic do go into the transfer window and bring one or two in I, I can't see. I, I, listen, I'm a massive fan of Jack Hendry. Um, I just don't know if Celtic in the heat of the Champions League is a place where he's going to be able to develop. That wasn't a question. That was just me making a statement. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised. Well, I, 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 no, I, I see where you get to, Gal, as well. But to be honest, I, I probably have him instead of Yoso now, just because. I, I think it, there's not much difference in quality between them. I, I kind of see a, a bigger potential in Henry, rather, although Yoso is always the more experienced. But Yoso's like, Yoso, yeah. I mean, can I, sorry to jump in on that as well. I, th- I think there's a certain level of Yoso is foreign. <laughs> there's a, still a snobbery towards Scottish players. Um, people assume that, you know, to go to the next level, we need to bring a certain type of player. We all thought Jozo Suminovic was going to be a superstar. £10 million bids from Torino and he was off to Italy to play in Serie A. The guy's a dud. The guy's a dud. I know I know that's... I, I've, he's, I want to like him. He looks really cool and he looks like he could batter you and all that. But the guy, he's, he's got no positional positional awareness and he can't pass for shit. Sorry, I swore. Um, what, what, did you, what did you think of um, Edouard and Sinclair, how they kind of um, played in the game? I think, well... Edouard's just on another level at the moment. Um, I think that when he came in last season, and he's sort of he's played the odd game here and there, and I think he scored. I think did he score a hat trick against Hamilton in one of his first games? Yeah, he, um, his yeah, game ratio was right, and he scored a hat trick against Hamilton. Okay, right, okay, fine, and then he's done this, he's done that, and he's you know certainly stats wise, I think the Christian will probably be a better place to say but he's put up some really good numbers with some yeah. small minutes and you're wondering okay right so what's what's the deal here and then towards the end of last season even when he was playing wide left uh, oh, some of the performances putting in was fantastic he was just such an intelligent intelligent player with the skill set really to back it up with the to really make an impact on games and now that he's playing centrally and the partnership that he's formed with Mr Dembele um, it's just been it's been fantastic. So obviously, last night with his game, he's you know he's he's he can run you in behind. He was dropping in off the front line, especially towards the left hand side. His combination playing is tight. You know his his uh, his wee short interchange of play really 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 good. Uh, close control, strong, protects the ball, and speed of his dribbling, the speed of his shooting, the speed of his actions are really really strong, really really good. Um, it's the goal, the first goal. I, I, I had to do a double take when I saw the first goal go in. It was one of those. It's such an unusual way for a for a striker to score a goal in the box. You know, it just looks so casual, and then you see it back, and it's, it's fantastic feet. Feet are just oh, so good. Yeah, uh-huh, just out the next level. With Sinclair, Sinclair had, I think he was one of the the big. Winners, they're one of the big beneficiaries of 
Celtic changing system. So on Twitter, I put out that uh, Sinclair on the flank is a completely different player from Sinclair in the half space. So basically, Sinclair, when he's on the touchline, isn't nearly as effective as Sinclair when he's inside the width of the box. And I think that, I don't really think that many people will disagree with that. Um, I think that one, obviously one of Sinclair's great attributes is his finishing and his quick feet and his ability to take a touch and hit a shot around the defender or, or curl, set the ball outside the far post and curl it back in. And obviously he can't do anything like that. He can't even threaten that from out in the left touch line. So when he starts the game and uh, he starts the game on Wednesday night and he's playing wide left, wide left. So in, in a three... What was it, three five two or three four three diamond, whatever you want to call it, whatever it was in whatever moment, and he's wide left, and he has to his responsibility there is to give width on the left side. Then you lose a lot of what Scott Sinclair's good at, and I think that that's something that we saw a lot of last season, especially when Celtic played with three at the back and they asked him to hold width on the left, or uh, even when he was cutting in off the left side and acting as a second number ten. I think that just the timing of movements in those games last season, he was getting caught a lot out on the flank. Whereas for the second half of the game on Wednesday night, he was in the positions where you really want Scott Sinclair. He was in that left half space. He was in within the width of the box. Um, he could pop up and he could combine with the striker. He could get balls off the centre mid. So he could make runs in behind for the far centre mid for McGregor when McGregor lifts his head and he sees Sinclair making a dart in. It doesn't matter if he gets a ball or not, but that run changes everything. And he can't do that run from way out in the touchline. So I think that he was certainly one of the... When you think of um, who who benefited a lot from the tactical changes, I think Scott Sinclair is definitely, definitely the big winner there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he gives as you, all the reasons you've mentioned of, of, of the interesting kind of... Uh, Differences in play that he brings. Uh, Callum McGregor, your favourite two words in the English language? Oh, just I <laughs> <Listen>. think <laughs> just uh, it's uh, it's just a reaction, you know, it's just a reaction to those those particular two words. Um, yeah, again, Callum McGregor. Again, he was he was sort of really indicative of that. Of that change again. In fact, not just of that particular change, but I think of changes that Brendan Rodgers makes in general. He's such a versatile player. I think the one thing that that really worked for Celtic on Wednesday night, the changes that Brendan Rodgers made, every change that he made had a big benefit on the team. So whether that be the big change at 30 minutes when they change system or at the start of the second half when you have... Brown staying more centrally. You can see it straight away for the Encham goal. Brown is staying more centrally, which lets Encham be closer to, to Edward. Um, and all of a sudden there you have Edward and Cham and Cal McGregor all close, all round about each other. And they can all play with each other and they can all be combative and active and all these things. Um, whereas in the at the start of the first half, it almost seems like Cal McGregor was maybe half and half supporting Edward, and that was it. Especially, especially when they when they changed to the four three three at thirty minutes, that was kind of it. It was Edward in the middle. Cal McGregor would sometimes be there supporting, but other than that, there wasn't really a whole lot going on. Um, and all of a sudden, in the second half, you have he's, he's then able to play with and Cham on the left side, and it's far easier for him there. And then when subs start getting made I think Cam McGregor ended up playing at left centre mid I think I couldn't really tell but um, I should say my my means of viewing were were impeded a little bit <laughs> yeah. um, but he can do that as well and especially when teams start to push a wee bit when teams start to push a wee bit we saw this especially last season in the game against Rosenborg when Celtic scored that goal when Forrest scored that goal and Rosenborg started to press a whole lot more and it was you drop Forrest into a into a deeper role, and all of a sudden, he helps you get out. He help when when it's when teams are pushing you right up up against your backline. He's there to help you get out because he's positionally just so aware, um, and he knows where he needs to be, and he knows how to get 
right, okay, like, okay, like, right, okay, come on, right, <laughs> listen, <laughs> we, you like him, we get it, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, right now, I like him, but, but I, I think the, the last player, that, like, which I also think everybody's like expecting to have like a phenomenal year, and some some people on this uh, pod are, are tipping for player of the year already. Is is, is all about a, a charm. So, Alex, what's what's his role in the Celtic team now? And, and he he definitely seems to be a lot more effective and and putting his marks on, on the game. Is there anything specifically he's developed since he came to Celtic? And and, and how do you see him as a, as a type, especially within that midfield tree of what's probably going to be Brown, McGregor and, and him? So, I think as I mentioned a wee bit earlier, I always thought, and every every bit of evidence I've had of watching Olivier and Cham has led me to suggest that he's a type of player that tends to, that prefers to play with the opposition midfield in front of him than to play in between the midfield and defence. Um, just You can go back and watch almost any game from last season and you'll see that he likes to drop out and you know he likes to get the ball safe off his centre-back and see the whole game in front of him. And that's a, I just assumed that that was the type of player that he was and that was that. But then you also have to consider that he has more to his game than that, especially as we saw last night with his shooting from distance. Um, and obviously it's far more difficult to shoot if you've got the midfield and the defence in front of you because usually you're further out and it's not really a, you know, that's kind of a, a waste of a shot almost. So you can't really put his mark on his game, put his mark on the game that way. But I think that, again, the change that I mentioned at halftime where he's noticeably, he's playing noticeably closer to Edward, I think that change helped a lot because all of a sudden now he's able to get the ball and he's just looking at the back four. Now the back four were occupied by Sinclair, who's now making diagonal runs in. They're occupied by Edward, who's popping up wherever he pleases. And they aren't really for coming out, and they're quite passive against him. So from there, from these positions, then now it makes sense for Encham to shoot, because he's shooting from 18, 20 yards, and he has that ability. He can do that. Like Same with Scott Armstrong. Uh, Scott Armstrong? Stuart Armstrong? Stuart Armstrong is the same. You'd want him in those positions to get the most out of his game, you'd want him to be able to use that long-range shooting because um, it's certainly a weapon that he has. So, again, he's another one that falls into the versatile category in that he evidently, on the based on Wednesday's performance, evidently he can play higher up and if he has to play a wee bit more of an incisive role then he can do it because we've seen him. We've seen him now do it. But you can also be the more secure and the safer option uh, sitting deeper next to Scott Brown. Listen, um, it's been terrific. Um, do you have anything else to kind of you want to ask we, about? We could talk all night. We could. Yeah. We, could um, we we need to rein it in. Um, you, your dulcet tones, Alex. Um, <laughs> they're terrific. Um, they're exactly what what we miss. Um, but you, how long are you in, in Russia for? Are you coming back back to Glasgow I, anytime soon? Or? I'm back on Sunday. Back on Sunday afternoon. Right. Well, you know, yeah. we'd, we'd well, love to have you. People on. might come to the airport. You know. Yeah. yeah um, if, you, if you want to pick me up, I'm not going to. I'm not going to turn down any offers. So. I, I think I think you've miscalculated our relationship at this point. Okay. To be honest with you, I'm not saying it couldn't develop. I'm not saying it couldn't okay. develop. Um, right. But no, Alex will ho- hopefully have you on the the podcast semi semi regular this this coming season. Um, Fantastic. Um, we can talk about Callum McGregor at length. Um, oh. But you're on Twitter again. at the ten space. I'm um, indeed all one word, all letters. At the ten space, um, some of the best tactical insight you'll see. Um, he's got a terrific taste of music. He's got some hip hair. Alex Lawrence, pleasure as always. Well, that was the first uh, in our Cynic Extra podcasts. It's been a, a pleasure having. Uh, the guests on Ben and Alex both terrific. Um, we'll definitely have Alex on. Over, yeah, quite over... some exotic places. You know, Russia, London, Newton Mans. When an inter- an international so, uh, yeah. international podcast. Uh, but we've got a game coming up. Obviously, we've got Rosenberg away. Talk us through what what's happening. What's in the gumball, Christian? Well, from the Sunning side, obviously there, there'll be another pod on Tuesday. 
Uh, I think we'll do. Uh, we're going to do a pod on Wednesday, so we'll do a Wednesday. pod. Wednesday. Okay, at, I'm not. I'm, I'm on holiday, so you don't care. <laughs> you don't care, but as for, for every game now, we're going to do the the live uh, Twitter updates. Um, Graham, um, okay, did a, a, a Sterling debut on, on the game last season. So uh, this this week actually, but yeah, every game now we're going to do live action updates uh, on Twitter. All the action, hopefully some tactical insight. Maybe you know, maybe some funny bits in between. Um, I think for games at Celtic Park, we're gonna try and go to all the the press conference afterwards and, and get some quotes and audio out from from Rogers and one of the players straight afterwards uh, the games as well. Um, yeah, just part of uh, a lot of new stuff we want to do this season. Uh, the cynics. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be some sort of uh, interactive post. Uh, Twitter live thing this week as well. I'll sort something out. You won't be there, of course. You're on. You'll be. No, um, you, you'll have to bring somebody else in. Yeah, you'll be in a in a sauna in Oslo, probably. It, well, yeah, I, I won't be either of those things, but it is not far <laughs> off. I will be warm, and I will be in this, you know, in, in, in Scandinavia in general. Yes, um, but you'll be back. Oh, I won't. I won't be in Trondheim. Uh, yeah, that's too far. Yeah. Uh, but you'll be back in. Uh, yeah, you'll be. Back involved uh, when you're back oh, from you'll your see holiday. My face. Yeah. Uh, okay. So terrific stuff. Uh, that's the first in the podcast. Uh, Ninety minutes cynic extra. Um, Christian Wolf. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. He's Christian Wolf. I'm Chris Gallagher. We're the Ninety Minute Cynic, and we'll speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.